to decolonize the university first emerged in relation to wider movements of decolonization, especially in East Africa, as Mahmoud Mamdani has argued. These involve challenges both to the Western curriculum and to the nature of academic recruitment and training. Such initiatives were typically seen as anti-Western, and it is only more recently that a self-critical movement to decolonize the university within the Western Academy has emerged. Here, there are two issues. First is the institutional benefits of colonialism to the development of Western educational systems, for example, through their endowments and personnel. And second is the intellectual legacy of colonialism in the organization of Western thought, especially the social sciences, and how that legacy continues in the period after colonialism and empire were formally brought to an end in most territories. This is our focus in this module. We examine the colonial context within which contemporary European understandings of modern social theory have been formed and take seriously the histories that were the context for the development of these issues, but which were missing in subsequent discussions. The displacement of colonialism involves a double displacement where the rise of European imperialism out of colonialism is also neglected. In contrast, we see capitalism as emerging out of colonialism. The consolidation of modern social theory in the writings of Marx, Weber and Durkheim towards the end of the 19th century coincided with the height of European empires and would come to involve a global war between them. Yet colonialism and empire lay outside the dominant framing of modernity and was associated with earlier historical periods and civilizations. European social theory, for example, represented the history of society in a series of different types of society, what is termed a stadial or stages account of social development. In this representation, the enslavement of populations, for example, was represented as a pre-modern phenomenon and not as something integral to it, notwithstanding the very extensive movement of populations as forced labour and the development of commodified chattel slavery. Even in the work of Du Bois, a theorist excluded from the canon until recently, the issue of colonialism was not immediately evident, but it was something worked towards from an initial address of the seeming particularities of race relations in the US. In that sense, enslavement for him was initially a contingent historical event that left its legacy in brutal race relations, but was not itself emblematic of modernity. The absence of a direct and systematic treatment of colonialism and empire has had lasting consequences in the shaping of modern social theory and how it attends to social issues. Our treatment of Tocqueville, Marx, Weber, Durkheim and Du Bois is less to do with them as individual scholars than to think about the frameworks of social theory that they have bequeathed. That is, we're interested in the ways in which their work and commentaries on their work has come to establish the conceptual frameworks of social theory that organise social inquiries. As such, our purpose is to decolonize the concepts and categories they have bequeathed to us, rather than simply critique the canon or, or add to it. This requires a process of contextual understanding and reconstruction. 
Of course, those who lived through colonialism and empire, even those who were its beneficiaries, could hardly fail to comment on it, even where they didn't make it central to their concerns. In not being central, secondary commentaries have tended to omit it altogether in a process of purification. In addressing what they wrote and bringing it into the focus of attention, we seek to show how a proper accounting of colonialism and empire would disrupt the integrity of the categories that they otherwise promote and open up new ways of thinking about modern social thought. As such, we're involved in what Raywin Connell calls the genre of commentary and exposition that engages the canon by reconstructing it from within. Just as the enterprise of decolonizing the curriculum would be purely scholastic without an address of the inequalities and forms of domination that structure wider society as well as the university, our concerns are also with wider issues. The lead societies of modernity, to use Parsons phrasing, are currently beset by populism and xenophobic hostility to minorities and migrants. These social divisions are as urgent now as issues of gender and class appeared in the period of the post-Second World War settlement, when the canon of classical social theory was being formed. Indeed, they are disruptive of aspects of that settlement and how the categories associated with it have been understood. The end of the Second World War, for example, was a period in which sociology expanded and was fully incorporated into university curricula in many countries. In Europe, this coincided with the dismantling of empires and the beginning of a new politics after empire. It was a politics explicitly focused on the nation and its new social settlements, themselves associated with the growth of education, including public higher education. Sociology became centred on divisions framed as internal to the post-war developments of nation-states. For example, the class stratification of outcomes and opportunities, or the gendered nature of public life, and inequalities of power in the private sphere. During this period, however, most European countries were also confronted by anti-colonial movements and challenges to their global dominance. For example, there was a war of independence by Algeria from the French Empire, which occurred simultaneously with Algeria being a subordinate part of the European Economic Community. India had earlier declared independence from Britain, and this was followed by movements for decolonisation across the British Empire. In the subsequent decades, such movements systematically transformed the world order. However, these challenges to the political structures of European modernity did not seem to impinge upon what sociology saw as its jurisdiction. Rather, they were seen as the political entanglements of individual nation-states, but not as defining their social structures or societies. These events were not understood as the culmination and consequence of a systematic process integral to a modernity that was otherwise represented independently of them. This is because colonialism and empire had not been part of the concerns of sociologists, even at their height. The issue now is not simply to add colonialism to sociology's repertoire of topics, 
but to show how that repertoire has been structured by an absence of its consideration and must be fundamentally transformed. As such, the argument we're making is for a renewal of social theory and sociology, not an addition of another viewpoint to it, nor an out-and-out -out rejection. Understanding sociology as historically formed would place it into conversation with those represented as other and open it to learning. This is not a form of relativism or an argument for multiple perspectives, but for a transformation of our own perspective as a consequence of learning from others. The first step in any process of learning is a recognition of a limitation in one's own understanding. Colonialism structures European modernity as well as European thought, and in consequence, recognising its significance is an opportunity as well as a necessity to practice sociology differently. Paradoxically, we can only decolonize sociology by first adequately understanding its formation in colonialism.